you're not alive for a long period of time and you're dead forever. And so you have this tiny window. I'm going from being Mickey Mouse to being Walt Disney. Fear is one of the most powerful currencies in the world. So what does Gary think about Gary? Um, it was devastating for me to go through that in the last 20 years, realizing that whole don't meet your heroes. Yes. It's wild to me. You know, I never made $100,000 in my 20s. It was just that I loved that I knew that I had more time. Time is my great passion, so in my 20s, I just knew like, man, I have another 80 years to do this, and that like brought me tremendous joy. The stuff that I spew online is just me talking to everyone about the conversations I have with myself. I just have never seen money as the gateway to happiness. I've seen opportunity to build as the gateway to happiness. the show, Gary. Thank you, my brother. So excited to have you here today. Happy to be here. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, this is gonna be fun because you're actually here for another reason, which is the announcement of our cool collab with V Friends and Everbowl. Yes. And I think it's gonna be so game, such a game changer for our brand to bring this digital world, this digital exciting area, as well as the creation of your brain. Yes. These new characters into yes. the retail of our footprint and bring these two communities together. Yeah, I think anything anything that could ever be a one plus one equals 11 is kind of how I think about business development. Obviously, as your footprint continues to grow, and I think QSR, especially for intellectual property, you know, I'm an 80s baby. And so like going to McDonald's and getting a Happy Meal with like the toy or the IP of the day was so iconic and really was ingrained in my head. I'm, and I was such a flipper and collector. Like I remember working in my dad's liquor store in my teenage years, there was a Burger King right next door and Lion King came out and was on fire. And, you know, I would like literally every time I take out a package to someone's car that bought it at the store, I'd run real quick to Burger King and buy a meal just to get the actual collectible. And so now that I have my focused Falcon and can team mm -hmm. up with, you know, with a QSR, it's really kind of cool and very full circle. And you're, and, and it's one of my favorite things when it's no different really than doing this podcast. When you're able to bring exposure to something you believe in and that is able to bring exposure to you, those things work, mm -hmm. right? And so for me, many people are going to walk into an Everbowl and, and look up and be like, what is the Focus Falcon thing? What is that, right? And on the flip side, I just sent a text out to people uh, that live within, uh, you know, uh, a one hour drive of the location we're going in after and some of them are going to stop by and go in for the first time. And obviously when we fully announced the partnership, people go, I'm going to drive people to locations, obviously for the vending machine, but also for the partnership we're doing. And I just like that. And mm -hmm. I think now that humans have platforms that they can actually drive people to think, I think you'll see more and more of those kind of business development things. But, and I guess when you were ideating this whole Be friends, friends line, mm -hmm. did you always think about the gumball machine? The nostalgia of it? Yeah, I, th I did. I thought about that. I thought about the trading cards for sure. Um, I thought about General Mills a lot. So like cereal and mm -hmm. Peter Pan peanut butter and Flintstones vitamins. So I thought a lot about 
CPG, um, apparel, you know, Mm -hmm. like things that are like hopefully cool hats and then broad market stuff. Am I actually? Yeah. You know, broad market, you know, this is usually my undershirt. You know, and so, yeah, I mean, I've had 40 years of thinking about business and pop culture. And so, yes, obviously the NFT form was the most exciting part for me. That was comic comic book number one rookie card in the new digital age. And I think that will play out really interestingly well over the next 20, 30 years. But all the real life physical expansions of the intellectual property and obviously the Pokemons and the Disney's and the Marvel's and the Star Wars, there's just so so many comps of things you can do and and watch outs over exposure, not doing too many things. You know, when I decide to do this with you, that eliminates seven to twenty other different things I was mm-hmm. looking at. So you know, these are these are the uh, things I'm navigating with this intellectual property. Well, I love it because I also think it was brilliant whether it was top of funnel and top of mind or not, that you're now introducing a whole different subset of the population that may or may not be engaged with the Gary V world. Of course. Because they may just want the toy. Yeah, like, and, and, and really the reverse. And let me explain what I mean by that. I've given it a really good run here the last decade. And I'm aware that a lot of people know who I am. You know, we're recording this the day after the Super Bowl. Walking around Vegas, like, I'm getting stopped constantly and Gary V, Gary and it's amazing. I also know it's a pimple on the ass. You know, as big as people bigger than me, as big as any person that has 50 million followers on on Instagram or 100 million, even them, even the most famous people you can think of, in a world of 8 billion people, there's only so many people you can get to as a human. You don't resonate for everyone. I'm too aggressive for some people. I curse, that turns people off. I'm a white male. That doesn't work for some people. They can't associate with that part. I'm a Jets fan. You know, <laughs> I was on Radio Row all week making fun of Giant fan and Steeler fans, and that makes them upset. So, you know, there's things that are not going to work. With me, when I look at Mickey Mouse, for me, when you look at these, you know, when you look at Darth Vader, Spider-Man, Superman, um, Hello Kitty, you know, you, you know, Pokemon, you realize that Sesame Street. You realize that these characters have incredible reach. And for me, I want to talk about accountability. I want to talk about kindness. I want to talk about tenacity. I want to talk about compassion. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I it took me a long time to understand that I was so well-parented that I wanted to give back to the world some of those virtues. I'm so happy. You know, I want to share that. And so that is even why Gary Vee, in hindsight, happened. Um, and I want to continue that. And I want, I don't want to use V friends as a gateway drug for people to find Gary V. I really don't. Okay. I view this as a transition in my career. It will happen, Yep. but I do view this more as I'm going from being Mickey Mouse to being Walt Disney. Hmm. I, I view this more as I'm, I was Hulk Hogan, but now I'm Vince McMahon. I want to be behind these characters. I'll be out. It's my personality. I like people. I'll be out and about. But this hunger I have for really leaving a positive deposit, it's a perfect framework, V Friends, for me. This selfless part of me is very real. But I'm also a full-bred entrepreneur and want to accomplish business goals Mm -hmm. and financial goals. And I love that part about me too. And I enjoy that. And I think that's why V Friends works for me. And I actually can say this, 
you're being truly authentic when you say that because a lot of people that have platforms are two different humans. They're the human they are on their platform. And then when you're with them socially, they're a different person. Yeah, I know. It's been, it was devastating for me to go through that in the last 20 years, realizing that whole don't meet your heroes. Yes. It's wild to me, especially when you hire people that have worked for other high profile people, you're just often disappointed on how they treat people. So I'm sorry, go ahead. No, but I, I was going down that track because what you just <clears throat> la uh, laid out and how you are transitioning a little bit more behind the scenes yep. to now make these things grow, having more of that kindness, that empathy, that compassion, that tenacity that you were talking about, those traits, you're all about them. And I get, having now spent some time with you personally, I can say that I've seen that live. And so I know that you are that same human saying all that. And where I was going with it was in that same vein, if you can now create more brands, create the Vince McMahon who will create the league, the Walt Disney who will create these offshoots of Mickey's with those traits, you can actually better 100%. this community and world. 100%. And I think that's why people get so attracted to you, even though you may be real and you curse and you're a Jets fan <laughs> and you are not going to scared to say something to someone that they need to hear. Yeah. You're authentic and it's coming from your heart. I come from a good place. What definitely allows me to put my head on a pillow is my intent is good. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm in a good place and I've always been. You know, somebody said to me, Dustin and I were talking about this on Radio Row, like I was talking about something and the kid jumped in. It was awesome. He was like, yeah, but you've got money. I was like, yeah, but you only are saying that because you're seeing me today. I would argue in a lot of ways, all the stuff I believe in, I believed in even more and executed even more because now my time is being sucked into other things. Mm -hmm. But I was, I was m not more happy in my 20s and I, you know, I never made $100,000 in my 20s. It was just that I loved that I knew that I had more time. Time is my great passion. So in my 20s, I just knew like, man, I have another 80 years to do this. And that like brought me tremendous joy. As a matter of fact, the stuff that I spew online is just me talking to everyone about the conversations I have with myself. So when I'm out there saying you're 30 or 40 and you have lots of time, like, I literally think like this way. I'm 48. And I'm like, okay, 48, modern medicine. Like, I should probably, God willing, nothing too crazy. I could get to 96. You know, I feel confident in that. And, and I say to myself, crap, then I'm at halftime. Mm -hmm. You know, and I blew it the first 20 years of my career because I was a kid and didn't have the opportunity to go all the way. So, like, to me, that brings me joy. I actually am very concerned. This is real talk, very vulnerable. I am a hair concerned of what my psyche looks like in my late 70s, early 80s. I've, I've loved the idea of all this room to create and build. And I do get a hair concerned that if I know there isn't a lot more time, how will that fuck with me? My hope, and, I, and I've gotten a little bit more opt. I used to be very scared of this 10 years ago. Lately, now at, 30, at 48 versus 38, I'm like, okay, wait a minute. What's gonna happen is what I'm starting to feel. The more life you live, the, the more you're grateful for it, the more you've scratched certain itches. Mm -hmm. You know, even, it was so weird. Even, this is crazy actually. Even this morning walking to my car from my hotel room to come here, I had this weird thought of like how excited I'm gonna be to be a grandfather. Like how I'm gonna like not want to go to like some big business thing because I'm gonna wanna go to my granddaughter's recital. So, you know, there's a part of me that's starting to get a little wiser about the concept of time.
But boy, was like, I, I just have never seen money as the gateway to happiness. I've seen opportunity to build as the gateway to happiness. And I think that that drives me because I think no matter what financial or even emotional situation you're in, that optimism to you can turn it is very real because if you decide you can't, if someone's watching this and be like, fuck you, dude, like you don't know me. My mom was an alcoholic and I was abducted. I mean, like, people have real shit. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm just like, I'm like, listen, I get it. But if you just decide to say it's never gonna happen for me, like it's over, fuck life. Like I got unlucky, it's no, well then it is. Mm -hmm. It just is. Yeah. What? How you see life is how it is. And so for me, no matter how shitty it is, my mom grew up, my mom was born in the worst country in the world at the time, the Soviet Union. You couldn't leave, it was North Korea. She lost her mother at five. Her dad goes to jail when she's 10 for 10 years. She has a shit life. She's the most optimistic, positive person I know. What do you think created that optimism in her? Her DNA and probably some, you know, they talk a lot about, and I'm undereducated on this, I don't know this to be true or not, but boy, do people have a big belief that those first three, four, five years of your life, there's a lot going on there. And knowing how my mom and what she did for me in those first five years, my intuition is that her mom did that before she passed mm -hmm. and might have just got in that optimistic, nurturing love and then DNA. Like sure. I have siblings, I have children, like DNA is a real fucking thing. It is, you know, like it is what it is. And so I think, um, I don't know, I just, I sit here and I'm just literally, as I look at that camera, I'm like, man, if one person, if one fucking person who watches this video and millions will over the next decades, mm -hmm. as you and I execute, this will be more interesting for people to watch in 20 and 30 years is my intuition. Yeah. Man, if one fucking person leaves this saying, you know what, fuck this. Yes, I had pessimistic parents. Even I have pessimistic DNA, but Gary's right. Fuck it. I'm, I will go to therapy. And Like when people buy an $8,000 watch to make themselves feel better for a week, I'd rather them put that into a bunch of $250 therapy sessions over several years. Like I just wish people knew that you're not alive for a long period of time and you're dead forever. And so you have this tiny window a lot of, look, I was born in 1975. What year were you born? 83. Great. 75 and 83. A lot happened prior to 75 and 83. And a lot is going to happen after we're gone. To me, it's like, fuck, man, don't mail this in. Yeah. Because you're mailed in before and after. Don't mail in life. And I find it fascinating that people who have that pessimistic view and they're saying those things, why not fail trying? Why not go for it? Because they're scared of judgment. Jeff, the difference between someone who goes and someone who doesn't is incredibly predicated on their self-esteem and insecurity framework. They don't want to go because it's easier to complain and tell everybody why everybody else got lucky because you're not doing anything. You think the thought, you're, what you're saying is the way others perceive me would control me that much that I would rather be in hell and unhappiness so I can be the victim and say it's because of this, this, and this rather than have people judge my effort and be in the same position? Yes, because fear is one of the most powerful currencies in the world. Most of the people that will vote in this November election will vote from a place of fear. 
most of the way that parents will parent their children between now and forever will be predicated on fear. Most people work for people when you and I, because of the way we're wired, we're like, why would you do that? Is because of fear. Fear is an incredibly, this is why Star Wars crushed it. The whole dark side and the Jedi's is very, 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 very well done. And I'll tell you why. I believe optimism and fear are very close. That's like why the world, and like, one? just like, they're just like this, like a, th a thin line, mm -hmm. you know, just a thin line. And that's why the world wor works the way it works. There's a lot of fucked up shit. And there's a lot of amazing shit. Mm -hmm. And I think that um, the dark side, like you look at Darth Vader, he's such an important part. This I literally think about the world through the lens of Darth Vader. Like, is even though like the way that he like turns in the end of like, like it's just like, this is how I see the world. Like when I see 90 year olds apologize to their family for being not nice their whole time on their deathbed, it makes me think of Anakin. <laughs> and like, like it makes me think of him. And, uh, and that's how I see the world. And so, yes, I believe exactly what I just said. I think most people do most things because of outside validation. I, I feel like so much that has worked for me comes back, when I was in my 30s and it started to get clear to me, I was like, that's why I was weird in high school. I was just like so utterly not penetratable with peer pressure. That's why I didn't drink. My mom asked me not to drink alcohol. I loved my mom so much and I wanted to do that for her. And even though pretty girls were like, come on, have a drink. And even though my buddies were like, you're a puss, like fucking drink, like it just didn't fucking penetrate. You never had a drink in high school? No. No, and it never penetrated and it just kind of like, I think like if you can deal with peer pressure in high school, I think you can deal it, deal with it for the rest of your life. You sure. I often say this is still all high school because it is for most people, <laughs> you know? And so even, even this weekend in Vegas, what's going on with people? They're all peacocking. There was like people like upset they couldn't get into that table or that VIP room as if it matters. Like, mm -hmm. you mean the subjective opinion of some people you barely know is that you're not as cool as them? Who gives a fuck? I obviously got to a place in my career where I'm lucky and can get into certain things, but there are plenty of times where I can't. Sure. And I'm fine. Who gives a shit? If Jay-Z doesn't want to invite me to something, that makes sense to me. That doesn't hurt my feelings. Right? Like, and people just walk around with crazy insecurities and audacity. Like, I've, I've been to like events where I like see somebody roll up and they're like, they, like, they're not known, they can't get into whatever this thing is. And they're like, yo, I got 80,000 followers on Instagram. And I just watch <laughs> that. And I'm like, by the way, please don't do that anymore. It doesn't make you look good. Not with winners, at least. Like, what does that mean? Like, it's just so fucking high school. Who gives a shit how many followers you have? Who gives a shit if you have a blue check mark? Who gives a shit how much money you have? Really, it doesn't fucking matter. It's true. Like, I don't really know how much money anybody really, really has. I know what people try to perceive out there, but it's not gonna make me like or dislike Drew Brees anymore, right? Like, I don't understand what we're doing out here. So yes, I, yes, I believe that most people are scared of other people's opinions and it dictates all of their actions, all of them. As an entrepreneur, I know how meaningful it is to invest in the people and causes that are close to me. And on GoFundMe, it's easy, safe, and powerful to do just that. 
whether you're supporting a family member, friend, local business, or charity. And whenever you make a donation, you're protected by the GoFundMe Giving Guarantee. Visit GoFundMe.com today to help make a positive difference in your community. Hey, everybody. Looking for great insights? Entrepreneur.com's podcast network is the place for you. Check out podcasts like Problem Solvers and Smart Passive Income for smart advice. Hear true stories on how success happens, financial updates on dirty money, deep dives with Behind the Review, and food trends on restaurant influencers. And don't miss my new show. It's all at entrepreneur.com forward slash listen. Let's start our success journey today. So in the spirit of what my goal with this show, because I'm doing it, I think I have found, and I'm, I know you have too, based on what you just said, that once you achieve a certain level of what you were chasing, that financial success, professional success, and you look at your business career, it's like what fills you up is actually watching and helping those in your circle grow, 100%. winning as a team. And so the spirit of the show is to help people that are struggling, that are saying, hey, I see this. I yeah. don't have a path. I don't have the, I don't know what to do. How do we help them not stay victim to their fear and get away from that? Because if fear is as strong as you're saying it is, and it's actually making people make these life decisions, which are curtailing their ability to have happiness and find success, how as the community, and especially some with your platform, how can we help them see past it? I'm fucking, I'm pounding this. I mean, I've put out fucking 10 years of content, at least seven years. I'm put, doing it every day. It's what I'm doing in the meta right now. Sure. I'm telling all of you right now, the fear you have of your mom or dad's opinion, of your sibling's opinion, of your spouse's opinion, of the person you're dating's opinion, of the people that follow you on social media, of your neighbor, of anyone, like the fear of their opinion is the trap. And how do you get out of that? By first understanding, by agreeing with me, by sitting on the other side right now on a laptop or a phone and being like, in a very vulnerable state saying, he's right, he's right. And once you understand that, it's game over. Yeah. What I mean by that is it's game on, meaning whether it is therapy or exercise or different ways of eating or listening to different content, you know, one of the things that drives me crazy right now is I already know that fear is the enemy. And then most people right now are in their phones or on television just consuming fear. CNN and Fox do the same shit, people. They sell fear. Mm -hmm. They're just selling a different message of fear. A lot of people that are trying to sell you shit are selling fear. Yeah. Like, if you don't take this supplement, you're going to die. Oh, fuck. You know, like, like it's fucking fear. And so, you know, I think it's, it's very clear to me that what can they do? They can be self-aware and vulnerable with themselves. I'm not even asking you to talk to anybody. Just talk to yourself. All I'm asking is for you to talk to yourself and say, how much truth is in this? And people don't realize that they've been doing it their whole life. This is why I hate the school system. Like this whole A, B, C, D, F thing is crazy. Like people just conform into getting an A, that short-term validation on something that means nothing. Mm -hmm. The amount of straight A students that I meet happened three different conversations this weekend that were like, yeah, I just knew how to get the A. I memorized it for the test and then I was out. I don't even remember anything. That wasn't learning. Mm -hmm. That was memorizing to conform to a system that doesn't match real life. That sucks. Yeah. 
So I don't know, like this is one big game of self-esteem. This is why I tell parents, you want, you're worried about your kids? Create true self-esteem. That's why eighth place trophies fucked it up. Yeah. That was fake self-esteem. And those kids knew. And we're seeing the result of that in today's world. Massively. These parents told these kids, we don't think you're good enough. So we're just going to reward all of you. There's nothing worse than a parent indicating that they don't think you're good enough. Eighth place trophies. Yep. And the worst one, giving them money after they're an adult. For everybody who's got a, every parent right now. And I don't like giving parenting advice individually. I like doing it macro. Because individually there's a million dynamics and I don't know you and you don't know me. But macro, by far the biggest observation I've had in the last decade of all the trillions of DMs that I read is that if you're 22 to 30 and your parents are giving you money, there's bad shit going on mentally. There's resentment by the parents. They don't realize what they're doing but they're building resentment towards their child and there's deep insecurity about the kid because their parents are saying to them, I so don't believe in you that I have to give you money. It's a big problem. Now, before all the kids go, yeah, fuck you, mom and dad, be a fucking grown up and stop taking the money. If you shit on your parents and you're over the age of 18, and, de- and I'll, I'll make it even easier for you. If you shit on your parents and you're over the age of 22 and they give you money, you're a fucking asshole. Straight talk. If you take money from your parents and you're over the age of 22, get their names out of your fucking mouth in any negative form. Kiss the ground they walk on. Shut your fucking mouth. You don't want them to have say? Stop taking the bag. Mm -hmm. Whoever pays for something has say. You don't want your parents to have say? Stop taking the fucking money. And don't do it cute. Like, let them still pay for your Uber because it's on their credit card. Or their cell phone. Yeah, or you're on the fucking family plan. Get the fuck <laughs> off the family plan. Is Netflix okay? No. Okay. Not even the shared fucking password, even though they shut that shit down. Good job, Netflix. <laughs> yeah, good job. That was Fine. such a rope-a-dope. Let us get us all into the sharing the passwords, yeah. and then we're just going to cut it off. Yeah, they gave you they're the like, drug. Fuck. Yeah. So Netflix. smart. So smart. Netflix, you fucking gangster. <laughs> I think there's two sides. Though. You did say the eighth place trophy is parents not believing in their kids, but- it was well-intended, the well, eighth-place trophy. It was well-intended. So with my kids, I never played with that. Yeah. I would tell them. Me too. Because I think it's more important that kids at that age learn how to lose and it doesn't break them. Because we're so fragile today. Everyone has this need to be offended and they can't handle adversity and losses because they've never had to learn it. I know. And adults don't learn shit. No shit. I'm on board. I think That's kid, the challenge. I think we should bring back fighting. What kind of fighting? I think it was good that in third grade, sixth grade, fifth grade, I got into fights. Oded Weinstock, if you're out there, please email me, Gary at VaynerMedia.com. We need our fourth fight. I had a trilogy with this dude. It was like Ali Frazier. I fought him in second, fifth, and sixth grade. What was the record? Two and one. He fucking caught me. Twice? No, no, I won twice. I won in second grade, blowout. I kicked him off his bike, sat on his back, and just pounded his back, crushed him, cried home. Then the big fight, actually, I, I, I misspoke. We actually fought twice in one day. So it was second grade, then there was always that rivalry. And then in sixth grade, excuse me, he fucking got me. He punked me in an interesting way. I talked some shit. We always had a rivalry. I talked some shit. I turned around. He pushed me, and the locker caught my, my, my little skinny ribs, like the, the combo. And I fell, and he got on top of me. And he was like kind of on top of me. And then the teachers broke it up because this was like 
before homeroom. And I didn't think much of it because it wasn't like a full-pledged fight. But then by first, second, and third period, everybody was whispering like, Odette beat up Gary. And I was like, holy shit. My whole entire reputation is on the line. I was petrified. So at lunch, I like got up and walked over his table. I'm like, after school at Marco's house. So there's kid Marco that lived right by John Adams Middle School and the ice cream truck parked in front of his house and there's this little hill. And so like literally out of like a 1970s movie, at 3.15 after school, full circle, 60 fucking kids. I don't know, yep, till this day, it was the most scary moment of my life because I knew within seconds, everything was gonna be decided (laughs) from my entire childhood. And by the way, he like, we were the same size in second grade. By fifth, sixth grade, he was bigger than me. And we're in this fuck, I'll never forget, Tyler Bunting was in his corner, Robbie Turnick and Andy Greco in my corner, a bunch of kids, and the fight starts, like straight up, like go. And pretty quickly, he gets the upper hand in a clinch, and he's on top of me. And I swear to you, Jeff, this is like, it's unbelievable how childhood works, back to adversity and losing. When I tell you I was in trouble, like he's on top, like the bat on top, not mm-hmm. like- Like UFC on top? Yeah, like UFC on top, Strat, like I'm there, and I'm like literally he's throwing punches and some are catching and some aren't. And he's probably like 30 pounds heavier than me when we were both like, like I, he was 100, <laughs> I was 70 or whatever right. the fuck it was. And I'm like literally like, for the love of God, I've gotta get, hit, I've gotta fucking get out of this. And somehow, I get out of it and then I get very, I will always say this, I got lucky. I get him off and I throw like a punch and a kick. We're both on the ground. And the fucking kick hits him directly in his face and his entire nose explodes and he's bleeding everywhere. It was like big, right? The story the next morning was that I punched him but I know it was my foot because I threw him both at the same time. We both kind of get up because he got knocked back by that. I get knocked back. We get up and it just pours. And luckily that just shook him. And he kind of like like cried and ran off. And it was like fucking out of Rocky. Like the whole circle <laughs> got me. It was, it's pretty much the best moment of my life. Um, and anyway, long-winded way to tell you that I believe that fight, both for me and Oded, mm-hmm. was a good thing. My intuition is actually the next year me and Oded got a little friendly. We played a little tennis together and then I moved and I've lost touch. So I think he does real estate. I Googled him a couple of times. I think he does real estate down in South Jersey. Nonetheless, I will promise you that that was good for me and Oded. And I believe all this cushy, cushy, cushy shit and we fucking track our kids. Do you know there's college kids that are being tracked by their parents on their phones? Like track tracked or just still being shared? No, no, track, track, like the fucking find my kid or whatever fucking app is. And it's just fucking fucked up. Like we have fucking grown ass children. Like fucking kids used to go outside. Your parents had no fucking clue where Mm -hmm. you were. Now we're just in our kids shit. And all these parents are hovering. And then all of a sudden, all these people at work, like it's crazy. We fucking hover and smother and suffocate them. And then at work, we we shit on all the 20 year olds that come and work for us because they're not our kids. Meanwhile, our kids doing the same shit Mm -hmm. at another company. It's all fucking bullshit and we need to fucking cut it out. And we're seeing the results. Yeah, and by the way, for all the kids that aren't that way, you should love, you should kiss your parents in the face. If you're a kid that your parents didn't smother you that way, but still loved you, it's not like they didn't give a shit. Well, guess what, good news. You're about to kill all these softies. The fucking 22 year old that's got a chip, 
on their shoulder is about to, dis- I dismantled everybody growing up 22 to 40 that I was around, but a lot of them weren't coddled either. Sure. I was just more ridiculous. This new crew, if you're a 22 year old and you got something and you have self-esteem and you're not scared of losing, you're about to fucking dominate. Yes. <clears throat> it, it, you just summed it up. That Getting over that fear of losing. This goes back to judgment. This is why everyone's scared of judgment. Our parents taught us that losing's bad. Yeah. They taught us. They said, losing is so bad that we're gonna have to give you something. Fuck that shit. Man, I'll tell you, when my kids started playing sports, when I saw a kid cry, I would run over to him. I wouldn't even go to my kid. I'd run over to the kid that cried and be like, with the parents there, I'm like, you're the best. You're the best kid here. Good, cry more. That's a winner. If you care... Do you understand that eighth place trophies created indifference? Do you know how dangerous indifference is? Do you know what the mindset of it doesn't matter means? If you're someone who says it doesn't matter, you're in a, you're in a very dangerous spot. Yeah. Indifference is dangerous. Yeah. And that's what we taught these kids. These, we, we, we demonize competitiveness. A kid fucking cries and we're like, that's not good. Fuck you, parent. That's the best. Show me a kid that cries after losing a sports match when they're in third grade. I'll show you someone who's going to win in life. Period. End of story. Michael Jordan cries when he when he won or lost because he cared. It's the best. Yeah. I think pro athletes should cry. Pro athletes do cry. They do. I'm, I don't know. You know, I was at the game yesterday, but I'm sure like I saw in the AFC NFC championship game, they zoom in. They're crying. It's called giving a fuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just a game. Fuck you. It's just a game to you, loser parent. It's not a fucking game to me. This was my life. This fucking volleyball game in fourth grade was my fucking life. Yeah. Fuck you. It's just a game. Everything's just a game. Fuck you. But the kids who are this grow- one's got me pissed. No, it's good. I it's mean, like I, fuck it, you. It's, it's just real. a game. It's not just a game. It's just not. Life's a game. Well, it's all a game. It's, just it's all pick, a fucking pick game. Your game. The whole thing's a fucking simulation. <laughs> it's a fuck everything's a game don't tell me it's just a game you fucking modern parenting bullshit of sucking alphas winning dna out of them is a fucking problem you didn't always have this awareness no. to this I had no idea i was just living like most people so what does gary think about gary today and also let's say 10 years ago the same shit that I'm a nice dude that's competitive and hungry and nice and No, I mean the self-talk, not how you how you view yourself from an external side. Like how did the mind that you play, like you said, you were scared when you're about to get in that fight and you had yes. that moment. Like today. I'd still be scared if I got into a fight. If you and I had a fight right now, which I would be willing to do. Would you? Yeah, 100%. I'm Uh-oh. so crazy, bro. Uh-oh. I'm I will fight you. Uh-oh. I'm serious, I'll Uh-oh. fight. When are we doing this? We need Let's, sixty people in I a need hill. at least a pay-per-view though. Let's make some money if we're gonna I'm, do it. I'm, okay. But so, like but like we get on the undercard. But under, like uh, if we did that, right? Let's say this got weird yeah. and we just took it to the max. I'd be scared shitless. Nothing I pain doesn't scare me at all. You get knocked out, you wake up. Reputation. Sure. Over everything. I don't need to be fucking walking around life and people being like, What about Jeff? I'd be like, motherfucker. Like losing like the Everborn you, guy. You know what I you know what I mean? And so like I I just think that it's no different than doing a podcast, like walking in here. I'm like, look at all the names in the signboard, and I'm like, I'm gonna do a better podcast than all those fuckers. Fuck Drew Brees. Mm-hmm. 
fuck shit. You know, like that's how I think. And so speech, going into a business meeting. And then what, you know how that manifests? You know, some people hearing that are like, what the fuck? It manifests in a beautiful way. We're about to go do an event in a store. Whether one person shows up or 7,000 people showed up or anything in between, I will give it everything. Right, Dustin, you know that. Like you've seen it. You've seen me in front of 15,000 people and you've seen me go to a thing that we thought 50 people would be there and four people are there and I rip it regardless. And I think that's, people here like, I want fuck Drew. They're like, oh, that's nasty. No, no, it's good. Yeah, It's good. I love Drew Brees, he's super nice. Especially Drew Brees, the Jets beat him in a playoff game that made me very happy. So with Drew, I have no angst. The only time we ever played him that it mattered, the Jets beat him. <laughs> So I've, and he's the most lovely guy, so no problem there. But what I mean by that is, that's a good mindset. And I think for some reason, in the last 20, 30 years, we made it like it's bad. Mm -hmm. Well, his quote on that wall, funny enough, is how you do anything is how you do everything. That's insane. That's exactly what he wrote see, on our wall. See, I that's so cool. Yes. And like, I, yes. Hey, fitness fans, ready to crush your fitness goals? Make your move to EOS Fitness, where becoming a member starts at just $9.99 a month. Gyms are open 24-7 and packed with the latest gym equipment to keep your workouts fresh. What are you waiting for? Give them a call, drop by, or hit up jefffenster.com forward slash EOS to join. EOS Fitness. Better gym, better price. Now, let's get after those goals. Hey there, it's your host Jeff Fenster, and I have something very exciting to share with you today. You know, here on The Jeff Fenster Show, we're all about growth, both personally and professionally. Speaking of growth, have you ever heard of Everbull? As the proud founder of Everbull, I can tell you firsthand that we're on a mission to help everyone unevolve, to live actively and eat stuff that's been around forever. Imagine stepping back into a world where everything you eat is fresh, nourishing, and packed with nutrients. At Everbull, we've got you covered with our wide range of superfood bowls. But it's not just about the food. It's about a community of like-minded individuals who are determined to embrace a vibrant, fulfilling lifestyle. Join us on this journey as we redefine what it means to be healthy and active. So if you're ready to unevolve and be the best version of yourself, head over to everbowl.com and check out our menu. So anyway, you know, that the inner talk to me is like, I'm still the same person. I'm very detached from my success. Very. I don't think I'm better than anybody. I really don't. Mm -hmm. I know that I'm good at business. I know I'm a good communicator. Mm -hmm. I know I have good work ethic. But I don't think that makes me better than anyone. I think humility is a, is, you know, to your point, um, when you said that little thing earlier, which means more to me than anything, you saying I've seen it up close and personal, I like it, that's what I live for. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, when you see me at the airport, right? We did an event, we we're at a similar event, I remember we ran into each other in the line, right? You know, I think I might've even been on a call, but it was still important to me like to like be able to like talk to you. It was the like, first day we met and then we saw each other in the yeah, airport. You know, like those are the moments. Yeah. Obviously the dinner drinks we had the other day, like those are the moments, that's when you know. And you know, I, I don't know, I just think that the inner dialogue is very similar. I still want to step up and I want to take the last shot, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. You know, that fear is amazing. That currency. Now it, I'm chill with my fear, meaning, again, you've I think seen this, Dustin, you definitely know. Some of you have seen like, the second before I take the stage in front of 5,000 people, I'm on my phone trying to like do some business or get some stuff done. Like I get into a zone. It's not a crippling fear. 
it's just, it's a humble currency. It means, hey, fuckface, this is me talking to myself. It doesn't matter what you've ever done. Yeah. It doesn't matter. If you shit the bed on this talk, all those people are like, you suck at speaking. If your next business, if your next 12 business decisions all fail, it means you got worse. You're not as good. I love the merit of life and business. And that's the inner dialogue. Do you find that when you're going through those moments and you look back at where, where you were to where you are, have you noticed yourself kind of, are you self-adjusting on that growth? I'm sure. Of course. Consciously or just subconsciously? Much more subconsciously. Um, is my belief. Um, but consciously too, like, you know, I think as a communicator, I definitely consciously make sure that if I'm on a talk track that I create clarity, right? This is why I like doing a podcast like this. A clip might be out of context, you know? And so I definitely think about that. I read all the comments. I read comments and I read DMs. So I have a sense of, am I hitting the mark? Are people getting what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Am I, and anytime I'm misunderstood, I take it on me. I hate when people blame the audience. Yeah. This is a good one actually for this show. Yeah. I don't talk about this enough. I hate when people blame the audience. If you only have a thousand views, that's not their fault. I hear it all the time. People are like, they don't get me. I'm too ahead of my favorite bullshit excuse. I'm too ahead of my time. <laughs> no, you're not. People are just not interested in your shit. Like, you know, like, like I don't, I don't blame the audience and that level of accountability I think a lot about. So when I see people misunderstand what I'm doing, I, I create clarity and I just, I'll give you a perfect example. My garage sale videos. You know, when I read the comments, they're like, what the fuck? This fucking multimillionaire is ripping people off. They just, for, they got a $50 item and it's eight bucks and he's nagging them down to four bucks. You know, for me, I'm doing a show to teach people who only have $83 in their bank account how to get to the next place. And for me, it's not like I'm taking the items I'm buying at garage sales and actually flipping them. I'm giving them to my nephew to teach him entrepreneurship. But, you know, I read the comments in the last episode I did. I said, by the way, every dollar I save, I'm going to make a donation to charity. Because not for any other reason, I'm not overly worried about those comments. I'm overly worried about the people that make those comments. I want to suffocate out their excuse. Yeah. I want to give them one less thing to say, but what about this? What about the gas? What about the shipping fees? What about eBay costs? I'm like, you mean costs of good of running a business? Like, you know, <laughs> right, you know right. like I want to give them one last thing to say, okay, I don't see the angle to be cynical or complain or shit on. Instead, what's left is motivation and optimism. Fuck it. Instead of sleeping into 11 this Saturday and doing nothing, I'm going to wake up at 6.30 I'm gonna take 30 bucks and see how right or wrong Gary Vee is. And I can tell you by the hundreds of emails I've gotten in the last five years about it, there are very few things I do in life that make me feel more fulfilled than my garage sale videos. Because the emails I get on the other side, it feels great when real business people like yourself hit me up and say, hey, that thing you did about TikTok, that really helped me. Or hey, the blockchain, like when you said 99% of NFTs were gonna go to zero, that made me look at it differently and this helped me. But when fucking someone emails me and shows me a screenshot of their Wells Fargo of $4.09, and then they send me screenshots of their eBay account with $35,000, 
And they're like, I went from $4 to $35,000 in a year going to thrift stores and fucking garage sales because of one of your videos. There will never, there, I'm not sure I'm going to find it mm-hmm. because it really fucking matters you to You changed someone's life. Period. The, the business person that helped you helped them on TikTok, you didn't change their life. You just, you just gave them a little extra. And listen, I love it. And, and by the way, it does change lives. It allows those people to do bigger things. Like, but man, to your point, like, fuck, it just hits different. Mm-hmm. And I know that a stunning majority of the people that are watching here, for not everybody only has $4. A lot of people have less. They're massive debt. And more importantly, a lot of people are getting by and that extra, here's the big one. Uh, another good analogy. This morning, my heart was so full because I saw so many videos and recaps of dads and daughters watching the Super Bowl because of Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift will do a lot of things in her life. The fact that she's gonna bring daughters and dads together because of this football thing, she may never top that. Mm -hmm. It's so remarkable. I have such flowers for her impact on that. I love football, and it's great that the sport's a little more popular. No, no, no. The amount of dads and daughters that are gonna build their relationship off of this moment. Because a lot of the videos I've seen is like, okay, she's now watched football, now I'm taking her, not mom, to her next Taylor Swift concert. It's the best. Anyway, to me, Those kind of things are just so important and so, so impactful. And I just, I I think there's so many opportunities to bring positivity to the world and I just wish more people focused on it. Well, that's a great segue to my last question before rapid fire. For all the entrepreneurs, aspiring entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs, people working in jobs that don't want to be an entrepreneur but just want to be the best version of themselves, what, what are those couple things that you want them to start to think about consciously over the next 365 days. So a year from today, they're not in the same position, living the same issues, same uncertainties. What are those traits that you think can be worked on, should be worked on, and aren't talked about enough because they're overlooked? This is going to, again, seem nuanced and complicated, but I think it will land, especially if somebody's watching this, is my intuition. The number one way to get happier is to take on 100% full accountability. If you literally wake up, this is very nuanced, so I'm gonna say it nice and slow. If you wake up and say, everything is my fault, when people hear that, they think that will make you more unhappy. I'm a piece of shit, I'm a loser, it's not true. It is if you don't understand it, which is why I'm breaking it down slow. If you say everything is my fault, you get optimistic in knowing that you can then fix it. It's a big deal. The reason I believe that I'm happy is because I think everything's my fault. And so what happens is if you're blaming your parents, which so many do, you're in big trouble. Because guess what? They had parents too. Mm-hmm. So blame your grandparents. You know, VCon, I said, fuck your grandparents. And the whole crowd was like, what the fuck just happened? And I was like, no, no, but let me explain what I'm actually trying to say, right? Which is you can't be mad at your dad knowing that your grandma fucked him up. And oh, by the way, there's great grandparents. So I think what I want for everyone is to be fully accountable. It's like the amount of people that blame Trump, then Biden, then Trump again, then the next, the president. What a joke. Their parents. I get it, but it's not going to be productive. The second you realize, like, sure, you could have a lot of anxiety and resentment towards your mother, but you're now grown. And maybe instead of buying a new Xbox, you can go do therapy, meditation, exercise. And by the way, you don't need to pay for things. Why don't you go outside and take a two hour walk, put on some, 
headphones because I know you have those mm-hmm. and listen to a podcast that's free. This right here. Listen to it every day. I'm not joking. I'm trying to get you some views. Appreciate listen it. to this every day. Like it will like, and so get positivity in your ears. Become fully accountable to your life. It's not the government or your parents' fault. It's they've put you in certain situations, but you have the strength and capacity to make it better. You just do. And once that happens, it becomes such a good life. You're mad at your husband? Talk to him. Instead of being resentful and acting out, go and have a couples therapy session. Or if you can't afford it, because I always hedge against that. Because yep. again, the comments will be like, oh, you have therapy, but 200 bucks. Okay. How about just being kind and candorous to your spouse? Sit them down and be like, I don't like when you do this. I don't like that you're doing that. I don't appreciate that after you're done with work, you go hang out with your buddies. Like, talk. Because then he or she may say, well, I don't like that. And, you know, communication. Yeah. Get the poison out of your body. That's another thing I would want. Get the poison out of your body. That poison, those feelings, you've got to say them. Now, if you wait until you're on full tilt and you're like, mom, you're a fucking piece of shit. You fucked me up. That's not going to be productive. Right. Mom's not going to be like, oh, thank you. <laughs> no, no. You got to get into the right place to have these talks. And they're not going to be receptive. I haven't been, re- uh, like, in my life when people have come to me, like, it's not a natural, like, it's hard. Yeah. And I'm very accountable. And even for me, it's like, mm, I don't like that. Yeah, you get defensive. <laughs> like, you know, I don't like that. <laughs> but but I've gotten really good at being like, mm, like, and I like it. And like, now I really appreciate the feedback and like we just all have to go there anyway. Accountability and kind candor communication on some of the shit that's inside of you and understanding the following sentence. And if you do none of that, I don't give a fuck. Like, I'm not your fucking dad. You're not my brother. You know what I mean? Like, like I get so mad when people get mad at people that are trying to help them. Mm-hmm. Fuck you, okay? Knock yourself out. Sit in your fucking room and be angry for the rest of your life. What the fuck do you want? Stand on your own two emotional feet. I want it for you. I will be out here doing shit like this forever. Like many, by the way, I'm not special. There are many, many, many of thousands of people out there navigating, trying to put good shit out there. Right? Yep. And, uh, you know, you got to find the person that does it for you. But like, man, complaining is fucking loser shit. It's dangerous. It's self-deprecating. Well, self-deprecating could be cute. It's self- Ingest. Yes, ingest, to your point. But that's, you know, like, but, you know, at least self-deprecation, even in jest or in reality, there's a level of accountability. That's like not loving yourself enough. Yeah. Complaining is, my boss will never let me succeed. Are you out of your fucking mind? Your boss at a random company? There's 87 trillion companies. Yeah. Quit. Oh, easy for you to say, Gary, I have a mortgage, I have this. No, no, okay. So tonight, instead of doing whatever the fuck you're doing for four hours, that isn't what I'm about to tell you, go on LinkedIn and email 100 people. Mm-hmm. Update your LinkedIn account. Post content about your expertise in financial services or in real estate or in bagel making and let somebody find you. You can do shit. Yep. You can do shit. And I'm not sitting here trying to motivate you. This is a... I, I actually get weird when people are like, you're motivational. I'm like, I'm practical. <laughs> I'm not motivational. I'm, pr- I'm obsessed with practicality. Yeah. Like, if you hate your job, you can either drink alcohol to escape it, 
You can find another loser friend and complain with them and be like, or you can go home and pound LinkedIn until your next job comes that pays you more so you can leave. Or to your point, you can take a self-awareness moment and say, what am I doing at my job that is keeping me from growing? You're going fucking 301. I'm just trying to show them how easy it is to get away. Kudos to you. You took it up a notch. Yeah, or you could be like, why does this... Well, maybe because I'm a gossip in the office and causing trouble, no wonder fucking boss is mad at me. Maybe because, how about this one? Maybe because I know that I'm working home, remote for three days a week and I'm really only working four hours. <laughs> oh, that's on that. mm-hmm. You fucking full of shit fuckers. How about that one? <laughs> Fuck my job. I'm like, you don't work. Mo- the fuck do you want them to do? Most, most bosses and leaders, they want their best talent. If you're the best, they're going to move you to the top. And by the way, Let's go the other side. I know a lot of bosses hold down talent that's better than them because they don't want them to jump them. I know that. Oh, yeah. I'm thinking like, about it as a I know. As a I know. Founder. I know. Notice where I just jumped in. Sorry, you're right. No, you're 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 like me. The don't only thing a, you care about is the logo. Yeah. I'm agnostic. I don't care if you're my brother-in-law, my best friend, or somebody I met yesterday. Whoever can be the best player on the field. This is why I'm going to win Super Bowls when I buy the Jets. I'm agnostic. Remember, no I'm, emotion. I'm going in on you. I got you it. You got a spot. I got for me. it. But you're talking like a founder. A lot of these people. You're right. You, right? You've you're right. seen it? No, you're yeah, right. Because I've seen, never been a boss. I'm a founder. And, and you know this. You've seen it in your organization. Yes. You've seen it. I know it right now. There are people right now in my company that I know are suppressing the person underneath them because the person underneath them is more talented. I mean, you're right. So there's a lot of things. But in that scenario, that person that's being suppressed, even if they're right, even if they're 100% right, their boss is doing it, great. Go get another job. Mm-hmm. You can do it. You can do it. Well, that was great. Now we got to do quick rapid fire. Let's do it. Three questions. Great. About 30 seconds or less. I got to answer in 30 seconds or less. This seconds might be less. the biggest challenge of the entire podcast, it but is. I'm ready. You got to stare in the camera one. Yes. All right. You ready? Yes. If you had to distill your entrepreneurial journey into one key lesson, what would it be? Patience over everything. Where do you see this attention trading future evolving the most? Into VR and AR. I think the Vision Pro has given you a little bit of a preview. Like, it, technology won't stop now. The phone is not going to be the remote control of our lives forever. And last, what is the biggest separator you see in the most successful entrepreneurs? They're in it for the game. Most of you are chasing the trophy, which is the money, which is the car, which is the girl, the guy, the vacation, the house. No question to me. It's the people that are addicted to the game of entrepreneurship that win. Well, man, I want to thank you for coming on. This this was awesome. I'm a huge fan of your message, how you're leading with, you know, be kind, empathy, humility, those traits that get lost when you start to achieve certain levels of success. And the fact that you hold them so loud and proud, you are pushing that forward. You are helping people. You don't have to. You're in a position in your life where you could do whatever the hell you want. And the fact that you are spending as much effort and energy to come on shows like this, travel around the world, give back, speak on stages. Obviously, you don't need it from me, but I want to say thank you. Thank you, brother. And community. real quick, because a lot we, we share a lot of audiences this way. Being kind and compassionate and sympathetic doesn't make you any less alpha killer winner. Right? Like if you dissect this podcast, we talked a lot about warm and fuzzy. And I talked about punching Oded Weinstock in the fucking face and yelling at parents to never again stop a kid from crying in a basketball game. Cheer them. Don't suck it out. You can balance these two energies. You could be a fucking killer mm-hmm. on the field, but a nice person when 
the game hits triple zero. And I'm up for the pay-per-view. You're up for it? I'm up for it. Did you grow up wrestling? I boxed in college. I'm. St- you know what's so funny? Even hearing that, I it like it's crazy how chemicals work. Even that that became the logical sentence of like, oh shit, you're gonna lose Gary. This is like what incredible like confidence looks like. You're a Jets it's, fan. I'm a Jet. Well, the Jets fan <laughs> part is enjoying losing and the climb. I'm talking about delusional confidence. Mm-hmm. Like uh, my brain goes to like, okay, I. I own a sports agency that has a lot of UFC rep, you know, we rep a lot of people. Could I in three months learn enough skills to be able to mitigate a very substantial disadvantage on paper? Yes, I can. Say, hey, uh, More to come as we build yeah. up the hype for this fight. Pick it up, pick a date. I'm in. I love you, brother. Thank you for coming thank on. For this was me. awesome. Thank you. Hey, everyone. First, I want to thank all of you for tuning in. And if you guys haven't heard about my new book, Relationship Bank Account, click the link in the show notes or search the title on Amazon. This book is packed with all my secrets to success in both relationships and life. Make sure to pick up a copy. And if the book helps you on your journey, let us know by leaving a review. I appreciate all of you and can't wait to see you on the next one.